Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this Valentine's Day weekend. <clears throat> we thank you, God, that the greatest Valentine's story is that Christ came and radically <clears throat> and, and selflessly and sacrificed um, for us, the bride of Christ. And that's the most romantic, most incredibly radical love story that we could ever read that someone would pour out every ounce of their blood for a thankless nation and for a thankless people and a thankless world. And Lord, you did that because you were God. You are God. And that's love. Lord, I just pray you bless this message. I just pray it would be edifying, it would be encouraging, that we would be that we'd be strengthened by it and that we'd be exhorted. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I had another message prepared this morning. I was going to talk about I was going to talk about brokenness and power, the way of blessing through the vessel being broken and the and the treasure being revealed. I've been thinking about it all week, but uh, just this morning, being in uh, just just being in prayer and thinking, um, I just uh, decided to share this. And so, if you look at with me to Song of Solomon chapter eight, and you know, <clears throat> when you share these kinds of things, you know I. I just really don't have in my mind anyone in, in any anyone in the world that is like you know that I have in mind, but it's just something that, um, like I said, it troubles me because the reality of this is so close to every one of us in this room. No matter what your age is, no matter where you what your status is, married, unmarried, uh, what your what your life is like. Uh, every one of us are so close to this. And I was talking to one of our Ukrainian pastors this week. And he just out of the blue started messaging me this. And it really spoke to me. I was like, brother, are you okay? <laughs> you know? And he said, I'm doing great. He said, I'm just thinking about this. Let me just read to you what he said. He said, the mystery of godliness is almost the same in nature as the mystery of iniquity. Chance to betray love is and always is present with us. I started thinking, man, I just started thinking about it. And he just started sharing some things with me, like, and he's doing great. I mean, this is, you know, he's, he's just sharing his heart and you know how you get these thoughts from the Lord and, and, um, and you start meditating on them. And, and I started thinking about that. And I want to look at Song of Solomon's chapter eight, verse six. And let's just read this verses six and seven. He said, and this is Song of Solomon speaking. This is King Solomon. <clears throat> and he says this, he said, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Wow, isn't that great? How strong is love? Man, it's it, the love of Christ. When we say love, and when we talk about any virtue or any kind of amazing characteristic of the human race, we've got to look at Christ first, because we can't look at ourselves. We've got to look at Christ and say, you know what? He loved us and died. I mean, we don't realize that. We don't get it. We, we know that's part of our theology. I know I don't fully get it. But Jesus, his love for us is as strong as death. You know? Robert and, and Deb and I and my wife and some of you have been going through this kind of a slow pace, but, but going through this love and respect video about marriage and just listening to it and just thinking, you know what? This is impossible without knowing the love of Christ. And Solomon says here, love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. 
Wow, isn't that something? It's flashes, and I'm reading from the ESV, are flashes of fire. It's flashes are flashes of fire. I mean, this love. It's like sometimes it's just passionate. Like um, it will be, it will be um, very calculating, but it'll just flash. And this is flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Wow. You know, the love of Christ comes from the very eternal altar and sacrifice that comes. I mean, that is in eternity past where Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And that's burning that, you know, the coals of the fire we read about in Isaiah chapter 6 is what purges the mouth of the prophet. And we read in the book of Revelation, here, here is Christ, uh, his, his tongue and his hair and his eyes are like, you know, it's flames of fire and he's ruling with a rod of iron. And that's love. And he's doing that because of love. He's doing that because of love. And there's so many examples in our creation of like what is the correct godly jealous love that is not jealous to possess, but, but jealous to love and to set free and to heal. And this is this love, the very flame of God, you know. And in verse 7, it says, many waters cannot quench love. There's a lot of waters. I mean, if you've been in a flood, you know what that is like, right? Every, the flood is one of the most destructive things on our planet right now because it just washes everything away. Yeah. And, you know, there's sometimes in, the, in, in warfare in our life where we feel like there's just a flood coming in and it's just washing everything. There's no stability. We don't know which direction we're going in. And sometimes, and sometimes that can come in and that can, that can try to quench the fire of God's love and the fire of love. And it says here, the love of God, the agape, the, this love of Christ is, cannot be quenched. Neither can floods drown it. And listen to this. This is, the one I want, this is the verse I want to read to you. I want to focus on this. And this is what really spoke to me in a, in a, in a fresh way. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would what? Be utterly be despised. Now, there's a couple ways that we could read that. A man could offer all the wealth of his house for love, and that will just be utterly despised. One way to read that, and I read that this way this morning, can be illustrated in a story, something that was just so heartbreaking for me to go through a few years ago when I was overseas. And we had, um, you know, we had a, um, just a, a guy in one of our churches over there. And um, he asked to meet, well, we asked to meet with him. And I, it was a couple, me and a couple of the Ukrainian brothers sat down with him. And he said, he said, you know, because I'm leaving my wife, there's another woman. I really love her. And I think she's the one. She's, you know, and they just, and this, this guy just had a baby daughter, just a beautiful little daughter. And we just sat there with this guy and we pleaded with him. We said, we said, God, we said, please don't do this. Like, don't do it. I mean, I remember pleading with the guy. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that with somebody. And it doesn't have to be in that sin. It could have been another sin or something else. We're just like, you know what, please don't. I mean, look at your daughter. I mean, and his, his wife and his daughter were right there. I don't mean this in a judgmental way. I'm just saying this broke my heart. It was so heartbroken. And we said to him, I said, man, brother, I said, please don't do this. Please. We like, we like, you know, tears in our eyes. We're like, this is your wife. She loves you. And this is your daughter. You, she's this little girl. It's like she's got this whole future ahead of her, and she needs you as a dad. Please don't do this. He goes, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I, I love this woman, and I think, you know, and, and he had some lame excuse about his wife, you know. 
And he, uh, the meeting ended. He went his way. She went her way. And he, he went with this other woman. And a few years later, I mean, she, she was just heartbroken. And this beautiful little girl now is like, you know, I think three or four now. And guess what happens with that marriage, with that relationship? It, it ended. It ended, and the girl walked out on him, and now he's alone. He tried, to re- he tried to reconcile with his first wife, and she said no. She said no. And I don't know where they're at right now, but I remember just that moment of the pleading with this guy. And the thing that disturbed me the most about that whole conversation was that this is so close to every one of us. This is so near. This is not one of us. And I don't really want to, this is Valentine's Day. I don't want to throw, you know, I don't want to, you know, we'll get to some edification here in a second. But, and it's just, this is so real that every one of us, we're so close to this point. It may not be adultery. It may not, it might be something else. It may be something else that captures our heart that wants to take us away from the, the incredible jealous love of Christ over us. It could be the love for the love for some object or some dream that's just a fleshly ambition or something else, you know. And the thing that disturbed me the most was is that 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 this is human nature. And here the verse the verse here tells us that there was a man that if he would if he would offer the wealth of his whole house for this concept of love that he thinks he's not getting, the love of Christ would utterly despise that. What does that mean? is that we can walk along the fence for quite a while and then look on, on the other side and see that the grass is greener over there. And the longer we're walking back and forth on, on that fence, the deeper the rut's going to get. And it's going to be harder and harder to get away from that fence. Because you know something? That's deception. Deception is when we get the philosophy like Oprah and she says, you know something? And I don't know if she said this or not, but it's like this kind of philosophy in the world the world may tell you that if you can imagine something better, then you, that it means that you're meant for something better. Enti- and that's entitlement, isn't it? Like, you know, you could be in something in your life, a commitment. You could be in a, in a, in a, uh, in a direction in your life. You could be walking in your calling, walking in your dream, and then get this sense of entitlement. Like, I deserve something better. This world and these people and this situation has treated me so bad that I deserve, I deserve something much better. And that's a sense of entitlement. And that is such an enemy, as such an enemy of the love of Christ, entitlement, that I deserve something better. Because the root of all kinds of evil is in entitlement. You know what entitlement is, right? When I think I, I deserve something better. And guys, I'm there too. I'm not, I'm not here talking. I'm not like Mr. Pro, Christian here, talking to everybody else. But I'm just saying that this is, this is right there. And this is something that breaks our heart every time we see it. And every time we hear about it, it breaks our heart. And when we start thinking that we deserve something better, we've all thought it. We've all had that thought. I deserve something better. I, better, I deserve a better lot in my life than what I've been dealt with. One of the things I was going to just share today about, about brokenness is, is that when, when you look at your wounds, and you look at the things that, how the world and, the, and, and people and maybe even the church, how that's wounded you. Can I tell you something? Those wounds are some of the greatest treasures that you and I have. Do you know why? Because it breaks the vessel and the treasure can come out. 
And when we meet together, when we fellowship together, like whatever, in a simple place like a cafe or wherever we are, in the street with someone or in the mini, in the car, you know, talking to a brother from Ghana, it's two broken people. And guess what happens? The wounds, there's this, the treasure is oozing out. The treasure is oozing out. And so have you been abused? I don't know. Maybe you have. Uh, every one of us in this room have been abused, whether... And it's one kind of abuse or another. And it's we've been mutilated and molested by the world. And, you know, we have those wounds. And guess what? Those wounds are not a handicap in our life. They are something in our life where the treasure, where the vessel's broken and the, tre- and, the and the treasure can come out. And I, that's what I wanted to share this morning. But I didn't get to that. And so that's the point is that like your wounds... And we start thinking, I, I deserve something better. You know, I deserve something better. And, and that's what the devil said to Eve. You deserve something better. God's not treating you right. He's trying to keep back something from you. And whenever we're entitled, we're going to find ourselves in a whole world or an eternity of pain. And when we think that imagining more and better means that we're meant for more, we, we do better in our soul to realize that what we're endlessly looking for in this world ultimate mean, ultimately means that we've been made for more of what the world could ever give us. C.S. Lewis said something like that, similar to that. That there is this sense inside of us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I think it's verse 11, that God has put eternity in our hearts. God has put eternity in our hearts. Ephesians 3 verse 11 he has put an eternal purpose in our heart. We are the only creation, we're the only creation on this earth that has a sense of the eternal, the unending, and, the, and, 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 and a sense of God. Dogs don't have that. Animals don't have that. Our pets don't have that. We have this desire to dream for something greater than what this world can give us. And when you find yourself in a situation where you're ready to trade in the wealth of your home and all of your home for a concept of what you and I think that we deserve, then we are going to we are we are deceived. We are on the wrong road. And 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 the, and 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 when the love of Christ, the agape love of Christ, looks at that, it utterly despises that. It's like, and and I think I've made my point clear here. And I just what I want to say is just really simple here this morning is that um, if we're flirting with the novelties of all other kinds of possibilities, just flee from it. Just run. Just run away. Turn around. Go the other way. There's no condemnation. Romans 8, verse 1. It just, it just turn around. God has made a way for us to turn. And you know, when we think about repentance, repentance is more than just mental assent. Okay, that's bad. Okay, okay. Well, God, forgive me. And, and I just, but, ment- but a repentance is, and unfortunately, uh, we live in a church culture, so when you say words like repentance... It's like, oh, it's like cringeworthy word because we have the wrong, we don't have the divine definition of what it means. It means that I see something so much greater that God has for us that I just turn away from the foolishness. That's what repentance means. It's just, I'm turning away from one ridiculous thing and I'm looking at the most amazing thing and that's Jesus Christ who radically loved us, who laid down his life for us, who poured out every ounce of blood for us, he, who healed us, who loved us, who pressed on for us, who completed the will of the Father, who suffered the mockery of, of, unthankful, of an unthankful nation that he created and he gave the laws to. 
and who loved on us, who poured out. He lavished us in such a radical love that um, erotic love could never compare to the love of Christ because it's so radical. And I don't mean radical in the sense of un, un, you know, unplanned and 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 offend and you know and transgressing the justice of Christ of, of God. The justice of God was satisfied on the cross so that God can freely, radically love us. And when you know something, when we meet that Christ on our road to Damascus, when we are purposely going in the wrong, in the wrong direction to, to, to do the, the worst thing that we could do, like that you can imagine, Christ meets us on that road and in one second, it all turns around. It all turns around. And I, guys, you know something, in a, in a failure, and, and by the way, every one of us in this room, we've failed. But if that's something that is just prominent in your timeline, guess what? We have been forgiven. We have been washed. We are brand new creatures. You know, the forgiveness of God in Leviticus 16 in the Old Testament is a forgiveness that is not only are we forgiven and judicially released from the, from the penalty of that sin, but in the mind of God, in this incredible omnipotence, omniscience of God, God has forgotten our sins. And I don't know how that works, how an omnipotent and omniscient God can forget our sins, but he does. They are as far as from the east as from the west because he loves us. And when we allow God to love us in that radical way and to get a hold of us, we're saying, set me like a seal upon on your heart. And God has said, I've done that. You are sealed in my heart. And that's through the blood of my son. God cannot forget about you. He wakes up. If God ever sleeps, he wakes up in the morning. He th- you're his first stop. You're th- he's thinking about you. He's thinking about your life. And we're like, oh, no, I'm just a broken sinful creature yeah but somehow in this paradox of 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 spiritual realities we are such wretched sinners yet at the same time there's there's no other great there's no other great greater elite community of people in the in world history than the church of, of god and that's the bride of christ you are you are loved you are cherished uh and and you know something you know why discipline happens in our lives why god disciplines us because for a moment, we forget our value. And he's like, you, you, I, I just don't want you to believe that that's, that's, a, that's a lie. Remember Adam and Eve, the first conversation that God has with him? Adam sa- God says to Adam, who told you this? Who told you this? Who told you this? Because we so easily, we can so easily be- believe a lie that is just so not true. I'm just wrapping this up. Don't flirt with the novelties. You know, there's novelties in the world. It may be, it may be, I don't know, it could be, I don't know what that novelty could be, but we live in a world of like, it's just right on our fingertips, the internet, it's right there. And it's like these novelties and all other kinds of possibilities. We risk wrecking our life. Think of it. You know what wisdom is? When you and I take the time to think through to the end of a decision in our life, where is that going to take me? Where's that going to take my family? Where's that going to take my loved ones? Where's that going to take my health? You know, one out of five Americans right now have an STD. That's what they're saying. Sexually transmitted disease. It's like, guys, we're not missing much in the world. We're not. We're we're missing. We're not. I mean, ask some of you guys that have been in law enforcement what the other side looks like. It's just... It's just, it's not great. It's a lie. It's, it's really is. So I, I just, in a very short way, I just want to plead with us, flee the flirt. If we're flirting with something in the world, or if we got something on our phone, or if we got something in our mind, guys, and I just, I, I'm just pleading with, I'm just, you know, I don't even know if this is thus say of the Lord. I'm sharing my heart with you guys. 
and I don't know what's going on in our lives, just like flee it, just run the other direction. Do you know why? Because it'll destroy you. It will destroy you. And I think it's in the book of Proverbs. Maybe somebody can correct me on the chapter. I think it's chapter 6. But there's the young, simple man who is, who is starting to wander, and he starts going towards the house of the strange woman. And it says that it, the, it, it's, it says it's in the, in the, in the, in the afternoon, in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the setting of the sun, the darkening of the, the, darkening of the, um, the road in the twilight, and then he, and he meets her at the door, and she's waiting for him. That's the world system. And I'm not only talking about sexual sins, I'm talking about the, the world and, and its seductive novelties that, like, i got to have that thing in my life. And then when you get it, they, Rockefeller said this. Somebody asked Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. Because it's never enough. It's never enough. Like Billy said that last night. It's never enough. I want to finish with this. Is that addiction to novelty is making this age and all of our souls sick. We don't need novelty. We just need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, right? Every morning. You know, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. You may not know what the will of God is for you. I don't know what God's will. I mean, to be a missionary somewhere or to do this or do that. But you know what the will of God is on a daily basis is for us to just surrender ourselves a living sacrifice. You know, because I was here all week in this cafe and it's just been amazing. I, I like to look at this cafe as just a, it's just a, it's just a, it's like a, it's a, culmination of just dreams and prayers that, that a lot of us have had and, and it was just so redemptive and I kind of felt like I was sitting on the front porch of our, of our church and was, I mean this is, a, this is a cafe this is Hebrews Cafe but we get to partner with it and I feel like this is like the front porch of our church and we just get to sit here in our rocking chairs and people are walking by and we get to talk to them and they come in and I just met so many just interesting situations in people's lives and you know something if people could discover the radical love of Christ, that if you could get it, if we could get it, he has sealed us like a seal upon his heart and on his arm for love is as strong as death. And you know something? God, that love's going to pursue you. Yeah. It's going to pursue you. Amen. And I love it. Romans, in Psalm 23, it's like, guess what? If we wander, guess what? We got the love of Christ is coming for you. And it's, it, it's you know, it's, you can preach this message in a very judgmental, condemning way, or you could, we could preach it like this, like, the love of Christ is so amazing is that it's like Hosea. He'll go to the market, <clears throat> the marketplace where you could buy a woman or whatever that, how, how that whole, and buy a woman out of, and, then, and then love this woman unconditionally until she's converted. That's what Christ has done for us. He bought us from the marketplace of sin. And guess what? Maybe you got saved 20 years ago, but maybe you were in the marketplace of sin last night. I don't know. He comes in and he saves us. He's like, I'm going to change you. I love you. And guess what? Like, what the law could not do and that it was weak in the flesh in Romans chapter 8, that Christ has done it. Christ comes after us. And this is the gospel. The gospel's like, like hey, guys, you've got to be like us. That's not, that's not you've got to be like our Christian church culture. You've got to talk like us, dress like us. You know, we are definitely not that. We're meeting in a cafe. <laughs> so it's like, that's not us. But the gospel is, is, that, is that we are so lost. We are so broken at every moment of our, of our life is that in every moment of our life, we are so deeply loved so deeply cherished, so the angels in heaven in First Peter chapter one verse twelve desire to look into this. Like, what's what's who's Michael Rousseau? What's he all about? We want to see the grace of God in his life. You know, who is like surreal in the story of her life, or stories of your lives in this room? And if brokenness and wounds are part of your life, don't walk around with this entitlement and say, you know what, man, I deserved more. 
you know, I've met people and they're like in their old elder years and they're like, you know what? I was treated wrong all my life and now it's time for me. And that's just entitlement that leads us to brokenness and to a world of pain and hurt. And I just want to plead with us and I want to I just plead with every one of us in this room. I don't know where we're at. Maybe there's, maybe we're all good. I'm just saying, I'm just really disturbed by just some things that have happened and with, with what we're seeing in the news about leaders and, and it's like, it's like we're all made of the same stuff. I just want to plead with you just like if there's something that's on your plate, something on your phone, if it's something that's in your radar, just, just turn around, run, run for your life, run like Joseph did. And if you got to leave your coat behind and you got you to leave, just leave it. Just run and go for it and just save your life, save your family, save your, save your, your, save your testimony. And I say this and I just say, Lord, and, and as I was driving here, I was just thinking, we are kept by the power of God. And you know something? When we wander and we get close to that fence and we see the rut there of many other people, and we start wandering in the fields of the fatherless, guess what happens? God chases us down because he loves us. And you know, he finds us on the road to Damascus when we're on that wrong road and, 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 we, and we fall on our face and we're just amazed by the great grace of Jesus Christ. God has saved us. He's got such a great purpose for us. If you're single, just... You're, you are, you've got a precious vessel and just don't let anybody in the world just take that and just use it and throw you away because you, you're so valuable. You're so loved. You're, you've got such a great future. And I just want to say that God loves us. And man, I'm just so excited about the power of God that he keeps us, that he walks with us and that there's no condemnation. And if we failed, then we are forgiven. We're washed, we're clean. And he washes us from all unrighteousness. And he makes us a new creation. Just walk in that every day. Because guess what? Guess what? This is what the world does. Remember how, how the, the uh, Hebrew boys would not bow to the... I mean, there are like millions of... Or however, hundreds of thousands of people all kneeling except for three. Three guys. And guess what? That really made the king upset. And guess what? The king of this world is really upset when you and I don't bow our knees to those, to those idols. And don't be surprised when the prince of this... When the king of this world comes after you. And says, you've got to bow your knee. He says, you know what? I am worth more than that statue, than that idol. And I've got a price in my life. And I'm loved. And, and so I'm not going to give it up. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Father, just thank you, God, that the power of Christ keeps us. Lord, that we are loved, we are valued, that we are glorious creatures, that we had a Savior that came out of the heavenlies, that left his riches, left his glory, left everything, because we were lost in sin. We were lost in, 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 the, in, in, the, in the wreck of sin and shame and, and, and ridiculousness. And Lord, we look, at, we look at you and we say, God, you saved us. You're going to keep us. You're going to walk with us. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, if any of us in this room are in a place of temptation or we want to throw in the towel, we want to quit. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would strengthen us this morning encourage us. Thank you for Valentine's Day that we can celebrate the unchanging, un, unconditional love of Christ. And that if we're just in a, if we're in a place of failure right now then this morning, Lord, we just want to get up, brush ourselves off like David did and, and just, um, and, and break our, and, and just enter into rejoicing and receive the grace of God. In Jesus' precious name, we pray these things. Amen and amen.